You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Presslaff, and thank you for listening to a new edition of Indiana's only queer public affairs radio show. We'd like to introduce a couple of uh, new co-hosts today. I'm going to start with Justin and Kevin here, and we're uh, going to do something a little different today. So, Justin, welcome. Kevin, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> thank you, Frankie. So, could you uh, I, tell us a little bit about you and kind of what brought you here? Well, sure. You brought me here. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Justin Robertson. I'm a Bloomington native, and I've known Frankie actually since we were in middle school. Don't give away all my Lots secrets. of stories I cannot yes, tell on there. I know that. But um, thank you for bringing me into this. Well, I thank really you. I, I appreciate you more than you appreciate you. <laughs> I loved. Uh, I just brought Justin in for his laugh. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I, I love my community of Bloomington, my hometown. So I'm very happy to be a part of the show, which I think is right. a very important aspect of what I love about this town. That's awesome. And you have a background in uh, radio. Well, a I long, had a radio show. Ago, we, well, that's a background. I had a radio show <laughs> <laughs> about Bloomington history and people in Bloomington many years ago, and it was a lot of fun to do. I just loved it. Um, yeah, but it, it's been a long time. And then I was an actor for a long time, and then I wanted to, you know, have health insurance That's and a steady important. paycheck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so um, I now work in, as a researcher in education. Right, and you've done that for a little while now. I have done that for 16 years now. Yeah, so, and you travel quite a bit? 
I travel all the time. Yeah, I don't have any projects here in Bloomington. I uh, have them with the Smithsonian, some exciting places like that, the Field Museum in Chicago. I do a lot of interactive museum exhibits with kids. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So you get to actually set them up and do them? Or? Well, no, they're already set up, always, and then okay. I'm hired to evaluate it. And oh. so I take a group of kids in, and we test it. Okay. And then the kids see what they like, what they don't like, what they learn. Um, and then I give that feedback right. back. But the kids really do all the work, so I have a cush job. You just let, let them go? And yeah, all I have to do is type it up. That's awesome. That's what they awesome. tell me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being here. <laughs> totally <laughs> thank a, you for appreciate, me. and we look forward to you being a consistent on the show. Consistent, consistent on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, too. Thank you. And then we have Kevin here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's great to be back. I was on the show a few weeks ago uh, to talk about... Uh, religion and homosexuality and I'm going to be here for the next uh, few weeks. I'm a junior at IU studying law and public policy. Um, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana and like I said just really happy to be back. And you just got done with the campaign. Didn't you? I did yes I ran for a uh, student body president and uh, even though we lost it was a great experience. Yeah you were all out there I was yeah. looking at your social media and all your little bites and stuff. It was pretty professional. <laughs> Absolutely. I was for Absolutely. You. But that was 40 years ago, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, and I appreciate you coming in and, and being part of the show yeah. and look forward to hearing you and, um, you know, discussing all these awesome to- topics that we're going to have. Okay, so today on the show, we're doing a show about queering the social imagination through the arts. Arts educational practitioner and social theorist Maxine Green explained, social imagination is the capacity to invent visions of what should be and what might be in our deficit society, in the streets where we live and our schools. Social imagination not only suggests but also requires that one take action or to repair or renew. In this segment of Blooming Out, we interview five local arts educator practitioners and theorists who have been using the arts as a means to queer the social imagination through the use of multiple art forms from visual, dance, sound, and drama as tools for social change and as research paradigms. So joining us today are these five people. I think we'll go around the room and just have them introduce themselves. And we'll start with you, Gustav. Okay, uh, I'm Gustav Weltzek. Uh, I'm an assistant professor of arts and education from IU's School of Education. Uh, My areas of research include the use and study of creative and imaginative critical pedagogies for social change as learning, with a focus on work with youth identity construction through drama. Excellent. And next we have Linda. I'm Linda Helmick. Um, I'm a PhD candidate in curriculum and instruction and art education at IU. Um, I'm an artist, researcher, teacher. I ground my work in the belief that creative expression is a basic human right, um, and I promote creativity as a force for change and transformation. I work with, um, I have worked with the homeless and incarcerated populations, and right now I'm collaborating with an art therapist um, serving youth who have experienced trauma. I'm Javier Cardona. Uh, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I'm a doctoral student as well in arts education at IU. And um, I use the art as a way of engaging people and having a dialogue through and with the arts. Um, I'm Kaylee Collins. I'm a senior here at IU. I'm studying elementary education. 
Um, not as qualified as the rest of the people in this room, but still <laughs> glad to be here. Um, I can't wait to um, just be involved in the arts and see how I can incorporate it in my future classroom. And I'm Alexandria Hollett. I'm a doctoral student in the School of Education in the Department of Gender Studies. I'm an activist and artist around town. I love pizza. I care a lot about justice. <laughs> and I really think that the arts are critical for destabilizing and critiquing the world as it exists, undoing unjust power structures, but also serving as a way to build new horizons and new imaginaries. So I'm thrilled to be here on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, so would you like to um, kind of get into the, the knit and grit of what you guys are doing? I think you could do it more justice than I could. Just trying to explain the, the, the story line that you, you have. Yeah, I would like to, please. Um, <laughs> especially since I wrote it out <laughs> and <laughs> shared it and no one objected terribly. Um, I think going off script a little bit, it, it's our individual and collective hope that today we can kind of excite people about uh, the possibilities for the arts as a, a means, a, a way, uh, an exploration, an experience of um, social justice, change, equity, uh, the tensions between communities, around communities, within communities, and the self. Um, what draws us here, now I'm going to read the thing, and I'll try to make it sound <laughs> as natural as possible, uh, what drew us together is the use of the arts broadly defined as a way into social issues of social justice and equity, and specifically today, the way each recently worked to explore queering the social imagination. Now what I mean by uh, that is exploring ways through which the arts can bring attention to um, alternate ways of doing reality. This means subverting heteronormativity, especially in our current work, towards the deconstruction of anti-LGBTQ plus discourses and actions, regardless of where those discourses and systems of oppressions arise, from institutionalized educational settings to our businesses, religious organizations, to our homes. By heteronormativity, I mean discourses and systems of oppression that attempt to frame reality and, so and society solely through a racist, sexist, heterosexual, and capitalistic lens to the exclusion of all other possible ways of imagining doing the world. Each one of us has engaged recently in the use of arts in a multiplicity of ways to do just that. Each of us has our own unique relationship to and way of thinking and talking about what we do and understand by art. Our lives have crossed recently on two projects. Linda and I recently facilitated a workshop titled Queering the Curriculum, One Strategy at a Time at the IU School of Education, which Kaylee attended, where Kaylee is in her final year as an education major, and Alex curated Queer Alienation, an art show about the experience of queer immigrant graduate students in which Javier was an artist and performer. And that's all I've got written, so that's all I'm going to say right now. Okay, there we go. Let's get into the meat and grit of everything. So who wants to start off and kind of, um, I guess, explain your, your part? Because everybody has very different parts um, in this. And, you know, I guess, how do we build this together so the, you know, the listeners understand what you all are, are doing and it sounds like you're, you're working together and then a lot of individualism is happening as well correct mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. jump in <laughs> yeah i'll start talking to someone cuts me off i mean we're all thinking about how we can individually use the arts as a means for change uh me i'm thinking in 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 ways about using art in and as a research paradigm so how do i use it to create data how do i um, use the arts to look at data and then how do I use the arts as a way of sharing 
the data, allowing the, the data to continue to live. Um, that's kind of my, my present obsession. Um, I'm you going to cut me off, or am I just going to get to go? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to get right in on that. <laughs> 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 so the show that we recently did, which was at the back door, and I want to thank the back door for their continued support of lots of these activists and art projects in the community, um, was about the experiences of queer immigrant graduate students at the university. And very similar to Gus, I was trying to think of, it was based on original research that I did, um, with six participants who all had very different life stories and experiences, but nevertheless could speak to some common trends and characteristics of what happens um, when they get to university and how the university does or does not support them in their, in their lives and flourishing. And so I was using the arts as a way to even understand those experiences. The participants made original artworks creative pieces that then we talked about in an interview and then from that we built this beautiful show that took those original pieces and magnified them and made them even larger than they actually were and invited the broader public and we intentionally were trying to destabilize and disrupt notions of hierarchies of intellectual um, rigor that say that emotion doesn't really have a place in that conversation yeah. and so by inviting all of these different voices and narratives to work together we were able to challenge people to think differently about the way they view the world enter into some sort of empathy or connection across lots of different conversations and build community together and I don't know that it achieved that goal, but that was the purpose <laughs> of it. It's lofty. And Javier was really involved in that, so I don't know if you want to jump in and uh, say a few words. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. Uh, well, perhaps I have to start saying that um, I, I will be a bit uh, quiet. Well, right now. Uh, because my first language is not uh, English. My first language is Spanish. So... Um, here being in IU and in the United States uh, is a challenge not only uh, because of language but also because of cultural and social differences. Uh, I am new in what is uh, known as the Midwest. So <laughs> uh, I'm... You had to stop in New York before this, right? Yes, yes. Uh, New York and, and, you know, homeland uh, Puerto Rico in which, in which we are a uh, big mix. Right. Uh -huh. uh, something that I am trying uh, here to not only understand but also to build uh, a community uh, in education and, and with the arts. Uh, Perhaps, as I said in my introduction, I use the arts not only to create artistic materials uh, that I perform in dance, theater, visual arts sometimes, or is a mix in which I try to make social, cultural, and political statements and reflections. Uh, and that was one uh, of the things that I was doing when Alex invited me to... Uh, queer alienation. The title of my piece was called Taxonomia of uh, spice, 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 spicy, yeah. spicy uh, specimen. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a mix of Spanish and English and it's um, performative reflection about uh, how many people uh, of color uh, in the United States, but particularly talking about um, Indiana and Bloomington, uh, are we're seen as uh, 
something that is bringing the spice or the spices uh, to this town. No? So um, it's an a embodiment reflection on, on issues related to race, but also issues related to uh, notions and preconceptions about how we perform uh, gender, sexuality, and yeah, uh, class and race. So you performed this at the back door. I, I, I performed, yeah, I performed that in, in the back door. And but if you could tell us kind of what it looked like and how it's it... A, it's a table. Uh, it's a table that actually is a desk, and it's called a taxonomia. That means taxonomy. At the beginning, I was I was not sure if I was going to call it taxonomia or I was going to call it... Um, uh, oh, it's not mapping, but... Uh, cartography. Cartography, because it's about... On top of that um, desk, I have the outline of the map of the United States, but I'm not including there uh, Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and Guam that are U.S. territories. Um, I'm using, uh, how you will say, the, the main? Mainland. Ma yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, because uh, I, 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 I think that... Uh, there's uh, uh, an idea that I was, uh, or I was interested in exploring about uh, not only whiteness uh, in the United States, but also how demographics are changing in the United States, uh, and related to comments about that I am bringing the spices. Uh, I created a map full of spices in which. Uh, also, uh, the spices are brown, the table is brown, my skin is brown, so I ended up laying my back on the spices. Um, it's a um, participatory uh, performance in which the audience not only uh, write on my body, but also uh, read what's on my body because so I have a lot- So what kind of things would the audience write? Uh, Since it's on your back, maybe you didn't say. No, they they wrote <laughs> all over. Okay. They they wrote all, okay. all over. Um, and, and it was just a free for all, or did they have to? Did you ask? I them to yeah, stay I, I give them almost at the end of the performance like a little quiz, okay. in which they have to write uh, what were their understandings, their questions about uh, that performance. They helped me also to read uh, material. I asked for their glasses. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very interactive um, performance in which uh, I invite the audience to get closer to not only a body uh, that is sexualized and genderized, genderalized. Um, it's a body that means, but also it's a body in which we have been constructing uh, ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a confrontation, but it's also um, an invitation. Nice. Alex, um, so tell me, you had a... Linda. Oh, Linda, I'm sorry. Linda, that's I'm sorry. okay. I'm sorry. I'll be Alex. <laughs> any, any day. <laughs> sorry about that. Linda, um, so you had a performance there as well? No. No, okay. No, my per performance, if you can call it that, I was teaching with Gus in our Queering the Curriculum event, which was a separate event. Ours was in the atrium at the university in the education building and we invited people there to talk about um, 
gender and querying the curriculum, and we had some art activities and performance activities. Um, when he asked me to do this, I had no idea. You know, I'm a painter and a teacher. What am I going to do? So in my work, I talk about um, art as transformative and its emotional qualities, which are completely left out at schools. Schools use art um, in many other ways in the curriculum, but they don't talk about it being transformative or healing or the emotions. Um, and then some activities I was involved in in the school were always being asked to represent ourselves visually, like paper doll activities or activities where you draw this stick figure and you represent yourself with different clothes or different hair or glasses, but that's all the outside and superficial and gendered. Um, what's really important are the emotions and feelings and passions that are inside of us. That's who we really are, our experiences. So I wanted to find a way through art for people to represent that. So I brought in lots of little pieces of wood, different shapes and kinds of wood, and had everyone write um, emotions or passions or feelings that represent who they are. Um, oh. And they built little assemblages um, little sculptures of those things that became their self-portraits. And as they held those self-portraits, then Gustave led them through a series of performances where they had to hold their selves, um, their fragile emotive selves, while they were representing how the world sees them. Mm -hmm. What were the three representations you led them through? How the world, how you feel the world sees you. Uh -huh. how you would like the world to see you, and then who are you actually uh, without that kind of imposed and imposing performative self. Yeah, yeah. And all the time working through image theater. <coughs> and, and Javier, do we, we attribute image theater specifically to Augusto Boal? Um, that's what I always do when I, I mention this type of work. Um, so, yeah. Departs from from uh, yeah, it departs from uh, the the arsenal of uh, Augusto Boal and theater of the press. Yeah. Could could we let Javier riff on on Augusto Boal's work for just like three minutes, just a little bit more context? Uh, Augusto please. Boal is a Brazilian uh, uh, person uh, that. Uh, he uses uh, theater as a way of engaging people in a deep reflection, uh, particularly uh, based on their oppressions. And it's uh, one of the important things about Boal and theater of the oppressed that is not about releasing or, you know, um, individual oppressions, but uh, systemic oppressions. So it's not about uh, working on a individual issues, uh, but particularly how we dismantle systems of oppression. Uh, and one of um, the methods, uh, he doesn't like to call them methods, so, but I don't have the word right now, um, is um, image theater in which uh, we, uh, with the body, we construct um, images that means or 
uh, images in which we try to um, uh, seek for for uh, what I will say uh, meanings. So yeah, we embody uh, things in which we try to say uh, through the body, uh, and on the other hand, uh, people who are who are observing also call expect actors. Uh, they also construct meaning based on what they're seeing. So there's also a uh, poetic of um, visual uh, uh, visual art um, based on, you know, uh, or, or visual literacy based of, of reading um, how bodies react in a particular space. Fascinating. So just maybe to backpedal a little bit as, as far as, and we talked a little bit about um, how this came you know how, how you you brought this together and 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 brought the the group met i guess um could you talk about that a little bit which one um <laughs> which group event well just the the first i mean just the idea of of what you all are doing right now um talking with you speaking with you yeah and when when, when radio we'll, audience <laughs> and the radio audience <laughs> just when, when we sat down and we, we discussed you know how how this came to form and how we got here today well, our particular workshop, Linda and I, and the reason I deferred to Javier about describing image theaters because Javier actually worked with Bowal. I never have. I've worked with Javier. So the work that I do, I've stolen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a unique Gus Weltzik interpretation of that work. Um, for we all interpretate uh, Bowal's work, and he actually he asked for that. Okay. <laughs> so my intention and what Linda and I came up with for our particular moment was to try to find a way to have bodies in space and time exploring themselves inside and outside of socially constructed and socially oppressive ways of being, of ways of performing myself. Uh, like Linda was saying, it was really important for us to help people understand the complexity of themselves as emotionals, thinking, breathing, loving, feeling beings. Um, we were very eager to work with a group of folks who do presentations uh, on the IU campus um, about being part of the LGBTQ plus community. And for me in particular, I wanted to work in ways that shared their stories as part of a collective sharing rather than being the exotic other who comes into a classroom and says, look at me, I am LGBTQ+, touch me. And this is what it, and it's very, I'm up here, mm -hmm -hmm, ask me questions. In this moment, it was just a chance for folks to be in a space with other folks as they are, and then begin to talk around the complexity, the multiplicities of their identities and how they, they emerge within yeah. those moments, outside of those moments. And all of them, um, the groups, when we grouped them and they got to share with each other the assemblages they made, and it gave them a chance to talk about feelings and emotions and, and things that are important to them. One person at the end said they never get to do that. Never is there a safe space in which to share um, things that you're feeling with other people, and they really. What, what were some of the impacts that you heard from the audience? That you, 
You were in it, I, right? I was. Karen, yeah, this can is you... my shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is your <laughs> shot. You, you participated. Um, it got really personal really fast, but it wasn't something that was forced. And I feel like sometimes when we talk about, like just like um, Gus was saying, when we talk about the LGBTQ plus community, and if you're not in it, it's this like foreign exotic thing, but it was a very like safe space. I when you share the adjectives that describe you as a person, you have to think about how you think about yourself, but how other people are going to think about you too. But I think that only made me want to push back on that more and to open up and to be very honest with myself and others around me because had it, I mean, it was a group of strangers, but there were people that I knew that I was comfortable with. So just having that, it like was very safe and it wasn't safe where you had to work at it and you dream about this glorious thing in a classroom where we're all going to get along and it's going to be a great community. It, it was super organic and super natural, I think, to be a part of that. So that's why. So very powerful. Yeah. In that sense. It sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how many people attended? Well, between 40 and 45. Oh, wow. So it was, yeah, yeah okay. More than like, we expected. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. That, that's awesome. So, um, I guess developing this, you know, what what came into it to to the conversations, and I'm sure that was interesting. The storyboard that kind of went to that. Did you just individualize them and say, "Hey, you take this, I'll take that," or um, how did that come about? Because I'm sure there was agreements and disagreements mm-hmm. on I, how to present it and what you wanted. I said, to. "Hey, Gus, I finally have an idea," <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know what we were going to do. I was just going to play off of whatever. He had planned, and I think he felt the same way. And I was doing some reading, and I came up with this assemblage idea and ways to do it, and, and we we just built it around that. It just was, mm-hmm. which for me is really beautiful because it was an idea that came out of my head, and we manifested it with all of these people, and it worked, and it was successful, which... It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was cool. And it was cool. Linda and I, it, it's always personal. We um, share, I think, very deeply about our own identities and our own concerns and our own desires for yes. uh, being at peace, being accepted. Um, mm-hmm. My my friends here know that I'm in a. I love to be in a constant state of existential crisis, where I I. Um, complicate myself almost out of existence <laughs> and then try desperately to claw my way back into reality by, by being in a space with other people and allowing how I define myself to be uh, predicated mm-hmm. upon the individual and um, you know hopefully it's a beautiful thing yeah well, it sounds <laughs> like it I am the opposite of that I'm a very peaceful person but I didn't come out until I was 40 so I'm living wow. this whole really? other, yeah, living this whole other life, and I want it to be meaningful, and I want it to be important, and I want to share it, and I don't want others to have to wait so long. Mm-hmm. So that that was the driving force yeah. for you. Yeah. And can you talk about a little bit of kind of the awakening? I guess when yeah. it was it brought you to this point. I mean, we all kind of have our little stories. My awakening. Yeah, of just your coming in, your lesbian, <laughs> your awakening coming your out. Awakening. I don't know. I was trying to go with the. You know, you guys are so. You know. Uh, <laughs> there we go. What was that? <laughs> well, I grew up in. Um, 
out in the middle of nowhere right. in northern Ohio in a long time ago. We won't talk about how long ago that was. But um, not only was it there were no role models for being gay or queer at that time, but also as an artist, I didn't have that either. So I didn't become either of those things until 40. I, I took my first airplane ride when I was 40 and I was looking down. I will never forget the way the earth looked and the ground and it just changed. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It just changed everything. I took myself back to art school after that. Um, I came out. I just started becoming who I always was. And for some reason, that flight freed me up to do that. Um, I can't really explain why. And then but. I guess coming back, you know, your return, it's like, you know, the Twilight Zone. No, I think exactly. I had been. <laughs> Hello, family. I had tried traditional marriage. I have five mm -hmm. children. Um, so I had to talk to all of them, too, about all of this. Um, I knew it was okay, though, when my oldest son, he was a senior in high school, had some friends over. And I was living with a partner at a time, and I heard them start to leave, and his friend goes, do you know your mom is living with a woman? And he said, yeah, she's an artist. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew it was okay, so and they just kind of accepted it and rolled with it. Um, it sounds like 40 was an amazing year for you. It was an amazing year for me, yes. Yes, it was, and I went to art school, became an artist, started teaching, um, and now I'm here doing all of this. Yeah. We're going to take a break for a moment, and we're going to do a music break. So um, we'll take it off from here.
All right, thank you. We're back. Um, you've been listening to Shushan featuring Shushan <laughs> <laughs> by Vulcan Beatbox off their self-titled album from 2005. Now, Alex, I distinctly remember the first time I ever saw you. It was about three years ago, and it was at uh, Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act protest oh, at Cars Farm heck Park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't. We've and already talked about vulgarity on the radio and I just ruined it. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> It'd be so much fun if we could do that. But right. Oh well. Um, but anyway, you blew me away with a poem that you recited there that you wrote. Yeah, we were all there to protest this horrible bill that Mike mm-hmm. Pence signed. I was there. I was the keynote. I was the keynote speaker. You were you were the one that read the poem. I yes. Am. Oh my God. I, I was like trying to find who you were. Exactly. Well, now you found her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm oh my here. God. I got <laughs> a serious girl crush on her. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did too. Yeah. Who's Mike Pence? Mike Who's Pence. Next. Yeah. So. I came back to Bloomington to do my PhD, and one of the assignments that I had for a class that I took called Hip Hop Literacies was to talk about who I was as a researcher and to do it in the form of a spoken word poem. And as I was writing this poem, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act gets passed, I decide to totally scrap the actual assignment and clear it, you know, because that's how we get away with everything, is we're like, we're not doing what you said, we're just going to clear it. And so I wrote, you know, kind of a manifesto against this act, and I performed it on top of a picnic table yes, at this yes, rally. Yes. 
And that was the catalyst for me starting to write spoken word and slam poetry again. Oh, really? You hadn't done it before? I had not done it oh, before. It was Are you kidding me? No, I had never performed. That was amazing. A poem that I had written oh, that before. blows my mind. Yeah, it was. Because I was like, damn, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really and you were, but cool yeah, I didn't know. Did you rehearse it? I said it once in front of my class just to make sure that I wasn't going to totally embarrass myself. And one of my professors cried. Oh. So I thought, yeah. okay, wow. that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody yeah. in the audience cried. Yeah. Oh, well. I know, I did. Oh. Well, I'm not doing it right now. No. Get. <laughs> but I will say this. So I go there, I perform this thing. I have this like crumpled piece of paper in my hand. It's like sweat stained and it's just all, <laughs> you know, it's, it's gnarled and gnarly. And I go away afterward and I end up meeting my girlfriend, who is the, mm. one of the co-owners of the backdoor, Nikki. And so I have to say this about Mike Pence. A, yeah, who is he? Who is that guy? But also, he might be a lot of negative things, but he is a fabulous queer matchmaker. Yes! <laughs> he brought you together. Like, so we do have to thank him for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was also thinking when some of the other folks in here, these rad babes, were talking about their approach to art and, and act activism and education, something that really strikes me that I want to accomplish with my work is that I want to remind people of a critical consciousness or I want to bring people to a moment of critical consciousness where they they have some sort of inciting feeling that is going to then motivate them to act afterward. We've talked a lot about like the introspective nature of the arts and how that helps us understand ourselves and the world and I think that's really important. For me, when I actually do my own work, I'm really using art kind of like a bludgeon where I'm saying if you're not motivated to take a stance on something to go do something in the world after this, then I might not be fully doing my job or completing the task that I have set for myself as an artist. And actually, that's one of the things uh, of of doing of art. It's something that you create that didn't exist. So it invites or provokes people to act, to do, yeah. and not necessarily to be passive expectators of life. And actually, Boal used this term, expect actor. So it's not an expectator. So an expect actor, what it's about is um, being conscious about what's going on, taking a position, and acting, rehearsing, yeah. performing, doing. That, that, that for me is one of them. Thank you, Alex, because that can't be overlooked as part of, for me, as a person who's working with young educators, to to use the arts, that at the end of the day, it's all about taking action. Yeah. Um, looking at the self and going back to our work, it was trying to uh, take off the various roles that we play that might not have been really thought about and critiqued. You know, why do I act this way? Why am I playing male, for example? Um, what does that exactly mean? And then the theater space gives you a moment to really just take that off. And and I think an artist allows you to step back from uh, the the pace of reality, perhaps. I don't know. This is now, uh, this is where we're going to get some really interesting conversations, I think. Um, and for me, it's then working, especially with young people, to really critically think about those different identities and why am I performing it this way? Why do I perform white maleness or why do I perform queer white maleness? What do those different little words mean about layers and levels and, and ways that I identify and react and 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 act with so my hope is after we work with young people in these really critically wonderful free and and thought-provoking spaces that they then put those roles back on in a very conscious way and say okay this this is why I yeah. say this it's not and Javier and I had a really cool 
wonderful tense argument, and we're getting better at it, um, where um, it's not uh, an idea of erasure. Um, uh, for, uh, it's not to erase the self at all, uh, to erase the body. In, 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 um, and you can jump in if I start speaking for you, and I don't want to, Javier. In, in your case, um, in your performance, it was very, very important for you that we were very aware of your brown skin that was essential and critical to the way you wanted us to engage with. And when I was talking about what Linda and I were trying to do as to get into the self outside of the shell, um, Javier, you were a little bit concerned about, you know, well, I'm not going to erase. And I, right. and I thought about no. that. That's really heavy because that's not it at all. No. It's absolutely taking these things off and, and really looking at them and dealing with them and struggling with them. And then you, you will put them back on because you are. Um, and for a person who looks like me, who's light-complected, and people would identify as white to walk down the street and have a much more, what, organic liberated, non, uh, 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 and frankly, you and I were talking about this at, at Uptown is trying, you know, I need help articulating it because it, again, it's not the, it's not the erasure. It's a sense of taking the good of all these things and, and walking down the street bef and then you get the, the ugliness. It's just like smacked on you and, and blah, blah, blah. Between the white and the brown. I mean, is that? Well, well the, thing, the thing is that the thing is that sometimes people have the privilege of not necessarily questioning their identities. Mm. You know, uh, as a black person or as a brown person, depends, you know, as a gay person, I need to position myself because I have been, you know, in, in situations in, in, which has been about erasing my exactly. identity. Exactly, wouldn't you say that the arts so kind of provided as, you as that space, right? Sorry? The, the arts have provided you an extra space to think about the complexity of... So it, society forcing it away, and you saying, well, I can't of, force of, it of away because Of course, of course. I, uh, I don't have the privilege, you know, to, to say, uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't care about because it's not an issue. But for me, uh, and for many uh, people of color, has been always mm -hmm. an issue because mm -hmm. you are not being represented mm -hmm. and we need to assume a position and it's through discoveries. In my case, uh, has been great to experience and assuming a fluid identity uh, through and with the arts. Yeah. And, you know, again, like you say, it's what do I do with the knowledge of how the world reads me um, that's so And I guess the, the vision is that he can put it away, you know, and bring it on where you're of saying, course. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. who I am. And I have to get proud about it, you know, and I have to be uh, explicit about it because, again, uh, usually has been this idea of, of um, colorblindness, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or um, the melting, melting pot right, right. Do you believe that's White possible? Huh? White saviorism. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, do you believe yeah. it's possible to be the melting pot? Is it no, possible? No, no, no. Actually, I, 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 I love the differences. Mm -hmm. I, I love that we are different. The thing is that it that also brings challenges. You know, uh, it has been about differences, and but has been also this strong discourse about about getting together without dealing with the complexities and mm -hmm. and uh, the pain you know, mm -hmm. that request uh, having 
um, thoughtful, but also, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, beautiful conversations about uh, what make us different, you know, and validating and understanding. So where's the division between kind of the queer side and the brown side and the white side? And, you know, we all have different identities. I mean, I'm Frankie, just Frankie, and then Jewish, gay. Yeah. You know, I have all these mm -hmm. different identities and then, you know, bringing them together and being able to, you know. Well, I think it's difficult to say that we celebrate and value difference when we live in an unjust society where mm -hmm. those differences are marked and categorized and make certain people disenfranchised and certain people empowered. Mm. And yeah. until we reckon with that, we won't be able to achieve any kind of real sense of diversity or community. I mean, we understand and know that racism exists and occurs within and through queer spaces. We know that ableism exists within and, and, and across queer spaces. Like, queer communities are not mm. exempt from dealing with unjust power structures and hierarchies that we have inherited, you know, and that we, but that our work now is to confront. And, 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 and admitting that uh, racism and sexism has been system put in place. You know, uh, it's not, uh, once I, I, I had this student saying, well, so um, um, reverse racism? Mm. No, that's problematic, you know, because it's not, there has not been constructed a system in which black people learn, you know, uh, through periods of time to hate white people, you know. Uh, did I say it right? Yeah, black yes. people? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, so, It's painful and it's challenging, but uh, I, what I have discovered here that uh, in the United States, that is very difficult to have a conversation because everybody start getting hurt uh, or guilt trips and. Uh, so how do you start? To, how do you? I mean, the arts is a well. A I use I, one of the start, ways that yeah. I I, yeah. I use the arts because the arts for me uh, in, in use you know like in, in drama therapy or a, in which the arts in a way is a distancer in which you can play you can pretend but on the other hand there's rules that you are also playing in serious terms mm -hmm. you know in mm -hmm. which you are trying things a word that I like a lot is rehearsing. We rehearse possibilities, you know, through art making, through creating art, and not necessarily, you know, this nice idea of putting uh, the shoes of the other, but uh, it gives us a space in which uh, we can play mm -hmm. uh, and reflect. So, with the performance, what did people not get? So you got, you, we talked about kind of, you know, this is, you know, everybody always talks about like, you know, everybody's walking away with this, but what was the, the thing that you would, would like to see, you know, uh, involved more? Well, that, but, but, well the, the thing is that, that um, things take time, you know, and I can create a, an art piece in which I reflect on um, issues Um, yeah, you know, diverse kind of issues, but um, I'm also, and that's why uh, art education is important or projects in which arts are involved because it's also, art is it's also about aesthetics, you know, it's about learning uh, how to read and understand uh, this thing that we call art, you know, it's that the sensitivities in which uh, uh, art 
artistic experience uh, takes you. Uh, for example, in the performance I was talking to, uh, the performance that I did in, in uh, back the back door, that I don't know why I always want to see the black, I want to say <laughs> the back door. I have a doctoral classmate, she's Afro-Portuguese, mm. um, and she right away wrote on my body. Uh, I don't know what I don't remember right now what uh, she wrote but she invited a um, Korean friend to write on my body but because of cultural differences she was no way mm -hmm. you know so again this is a teaching moment in which I am exposing myself or I'm exposing this black or brown body on a table And I'm asking people, get closer. That's one of the things that I'm asking the audience, get closer. Hmm. Because uh, in my experience, you know, something that happens is uh, it's this uh, fear to get close to a brown body. And part of my exercise is come over, get closer. You know, nothing is going to happen. Actually, you can play a bit with it right? in critical terms. What I thought was really interesting about all of the conversations that we've been having, and Javier's performance in particular, is, is a concept that actually was introduced to me by a buddy of ours, Jean, um, who also is a doctoral student at the School of Education. Mm -hmm. And she talks about artwork, that the work is not actually the performance or the piece, it's the conversation and dialogue yeah. that occurs oh. between the artist Thank or the you. performance and the audience. And so it, it gives some sort of agency to the audience as well in a really generative yeah. way. And I think Absolutely. it's really helpful to think about the arts as something that is really productive in and beyond what actually happens in the moment. It yeah. should resonate. It should linger. It should force you to think Absolutely. of things in new and different ways. And, and that should affect your life. And you yes. and me, we receive uh, emails uh, of people saying, I still thinking about yeah. uh, the experience uh, with uh, queer alienation. So it's an invitation and not necessarily people are going to get everything in two seconds. They go and they leave, you know, as, uh, as I said to uh, Gabriel, one of the professors, you know, I went to write a essay for my class and I had my body Sign with words, <laughs> and I yeah, and, and I and I decided to go to bed with you know a body that was uh, written by the mm -hmm. audience, mm -hmm. uh, but also was an invitation to people to start writing also their narratives, you know, about race, about gender, uh, provoked by again a display of a black body on uh, a table, a desk. I'm actually kind of interested, not to take over the questioning part of things, it's no, 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 your job for you, but I'm interested in, in what Kaylee has to say about all of this and your experiences with art education and maybe how you think that you might use it once you graduate. Right, I think because I'm so new to just the arts in general, taking Gustav's class um, and listening to these conversations, I like this is the starting point for me to listen to what everyone's saying and to go back and think about it. Um, to Javier's relationship or to Javier's like conversation, I am a biracial female and I will carry that with me for the rest of my life. It's not something that can be wiped away or changed and I have to think about how my identity in that way will fit into what I teach and what I believe in and how my students and parents will view me as well. I think um, just listening 
to Javier speak, I do, I, I agree a lot of times people will only see the outside and not the inside, which is kind of, it's super annoying to me actually <laughs> to like have people just judge you based on looks before you even can speak or before I even teach um, just in general. I think that um, not only on the education side, but like personally, I am trying to figure out who I am as like a senior in college. And I thought I was learning all these like cool things about myself, but now like just reflecting, especially like today, like there's a lot of stuff that I need to try to like figure out, I think. This <laughs> like, is, like, like a lot, like a lot of stuff. Well, we're, we're coming to the, the top of the, the hour here. So we what have to say, yeah, say goodbye. <laughs> Um, I appreciate everybody coming in and um, sharing your stories. And, you know, I, I want to, you know, uh, have everybody back again to hear about the next yes. performance. So thank you so much. Um, we're conveniently posted to WFHB.org. So if you can't listen live, you can hear this and other episodes online via the WFHB website. We want to take a second uh, to thank our lovely guests. Additionally, thank you to all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. Uh, Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Preslaff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Kevin Mosenzade. And I'm Frankie Preslaff. And I'm Justin Robertson. Tune in next week for a brand new Blooming Out every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. on WFHB Volunteer Powered Community Radio. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. <laughs>